Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. U-Turn friends, I am so excited. And you know me, I kind of tend to wander lust around, especially having moved to New York City. And I was at the pool on the roof of the Dream Hotel in Chelsea. And I saw this fierce woman with the coolest headband across the pool went over to her, asked her how she, where she got her headband, talked to her forever and found out that she is a mother, but not the kind of mother that you probably think of. The fall season is here. And while I watch the New York City leaves turn from green to brown, I cannot help but get really excited about the fall flavors. And like many of you, pumpkin spice just so happens to be one fall flavor I can't get enough of. So when our friends over at Soul CBD let me know they were releasing a new CBD tincture flavor of pumpkin spice, I had to get my hands on this bottle and I want to share it with you. This tincture is the perfect starting point for your CBD journey. The reason that I love Soul CBD's project so much is that they're 99% hemp derived. So there's no THC, no fillers, just pure plant powered relief. So heading into the holidays with stressful travel, end of the year work rushes, having some extra support to calm your nervous system and reduce inflammation is so key. Just a few pumpkin spice CBD drops will do the trick. It's gluten-free, sugar-free, organic, everything free, feels like. (laughs) And this tincture is convenient and portable. You can just throw it in your purse or your bag so relief is just a drop away anytime, anywhere. Spice up your morning coffee with this pumpkin spice tincture or simply place a few drops under your tongue during a break. It's easy, it's powerful, it's delicious. Soul CBD has an epic discount to share with the U-Turn community of 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get back to this week's episode that she is a mother, but not the kind of mother that you probably think of automatically. She's a foster mother and she has so much to say about it. Her name is Ebony Raffaelli and she's a native New Yorker. She was born and raised in the Bronx. She has a passion for serving her community. She's a social worker. She studied at Mercy College for both of her degrees. And after playing around in cosmetology and sales and education, she always came back to social work. So she has more than 15 years of experience in children's services. She has so much knowledge on social work as it relates to kids or at-risk families, and she's so passionate about it. And I have so many questions for her about foster care because I think that this is an unlooked or an overlooked, I would say, opportunity for so many of you listening who have resources, who want to have more fulfillment, want to have impact. I feel like that's what this show is all about. So instead of doing a episode about leadership or mindset or love, today I want to do something that may offer you even deeper fulfillment, which is about what it really means to be a foster parent. So Ebony, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. 
Thank you for having me, Ashley. Um, this means so much to me. I really didn't know what to expect, you know, but um, you listed it all. You know, this is what I'm most passionate about. I am a foster mom. I am a New Yorker. I am from the Bronx where even though Brooklyn is the biggest borough in New York City, the Bronx has the most ACS cases. Mm. So um, I'm on both sides of things, right? I'm a social worker in foster care. And then at some point, I was convinced enough to become a foster parent. And yes, mm -hmm. currently I have an 18 year old and a 21 year old. My 21 year old already has housing. So she's moved out, but I still have my 18 year old at home. Okay. So when somebody thinks of taking in a foster child, they think about exactly that, a child. They think about someone who's like two or five or 10. And one of the things that struck me the most about you when we were talking at the pool was okay. that you really resonate with taking kids who are much older um, and you told me it was because you feel like that's when they need the most life advice. So can you share a little bit about your choice of who you fostered and what your thinking is around them? Because I think that that approach would resonate for so many people listening to do the same. So sure. You said it. Most people think of foster kids and they think of little kids, right? And they can mold them and all these things they can do with them and, um, how it may be easier right? So parenting is never easy for none of it. None of us does it come with any manual or book. Um, every person, every child needs something different. And when it comes to older youth, when you're a teenager, adolescent, yeah, this is when you need the most guidance, right? This is when you need the most supervision mm -hmm. and the most encouragement and someone pouring into you and someone loving on you. Um, this is when you're all over the place, right? And in foster care, youth 16 to 21, and nowadays it's like to 23, right? Because you can still be in foster care past 21 years old. We call these um, youth that are preparing for adulthood. Mm. And this is when you're really honing in on independent living skills with these youth, independent living skills. Um, what does home management skills look like? What does education skills look like? What does transportation, budgeting, money management, all of those things. And I have fun with all children, but with my nieces, nephews, you know, my extended nieces and nephews through friends, I always have the most fun with my teenagers with the older ones with the uh, ones about to go off to college this is who I spend the most time with mm. you know and this is who comes to me the most and I feel like from what they say um they listen to me mm. <laughs> you know from what they say and what their parents say so um what so right when I start to get back to the question that's what made me want to deal with older youth and especially I hate to say it, but the the kids that really get left behind. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point is like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I remember when I got my dog, I was like, do I want a puppy? This is the closest reference I have to a child is my dog at this point. I have no real human that I'm responsible for. But when I got him, it was a big question of like, do I want to get a puppy who I can form or do I want to rescue a dog who needs a home? 
And my answer ended up being both. But I feel like um, people sometimes will have fear of saying, you know, because there's so much heart in saying, I'm going to take someone who's 16, 17, 18 at the pinnacle of their hormones, at the pinnacle of their brain forming, at the pinnacle of them falling victim to some really horrible life decisions that you can help them course correct. They are probably so thirsty for wisdom. And I know you have a lot of it. Um, and, and people probably feel this fear of like, they're already formed. I'm going to have a rough time with them. What would be your feedback on, on that question? Because I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of different things through foster care. Uh, and so that's the first thing is like people saying that they're too formed and like, do they want to take them into their home? The second piece is, can you paint a picture of what the foster care facilities are, what their life is like before they get a home? I would love to know. Wow. So for one, what it looks like um, taking on uh, a teenager or a young adult, you never know. You Just like with the young child coming into your home, you never know. And all you can do is parent and listen. You know, this is a relationship. So you're building a relationship and you're also dealing with um, a person that you're, that's coming into your home, that you're opening to your space to, that they're already kind of like closed off, right? They've probably been through many different homes or um, already been in some uncomfortable situations and they're already looking at this like, okay, happen. yeah, I'm just here for a bed and, a, you know, a roof over my head and somewhere to wash up and wash my clothes and I'm in and out, mm -hmm. you know, because unfortunately that has been a, a lot of experiences um, for youth where sometimes there's not a connection that happens or they don't feel something genuine, you mm -hmm. know? So they're just coming in. This is a bed. This is a roof over my head. Sometimes they don't even care about your food, you know? Um, and they're ready for their allowance. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the month. Mm, okay. So one of the things that struck me having worked in the government myself was you mentioning that foster facilities can be a hotbed for trafficking. And it's, I, I, I don't ever want to host episodes on here where I am allowing an elephant in the room where it's like such a big topic as the foster system to paint it like, you know, these kids desperately need a home and it, it's just a sad, it's also, there's a whole nother layer of sadness with that being a reality. So um, can you paint a little picture of what are these kids' worlds like largely? I know there's a lot of um, sexual abuse, a lot of human trafficking and all of these things. And how do you choose who you take home with you? Um, because I think this is a really powerful opportunity, what you did here is and, and it's so innovative what you're doing is you're basically showing people how to be a parent for like for life but really for like five years so it's it's like you're a parent for life you're available as a mentor but you're doing the action of like having a kid under your responsibility in your home for a shorter period of time so you make this high impact um, and they go off into the world and they get jobs or they get careers or whatever you can help them do so can you just paint a picture of what are these facilities like for them? What have they been through? And um, how do you pick a kid that you want to foster? So let's put it on the table. Yeah. You're not picking a kid that you want to foster. Mm -hmm. once, you, once you choose to become a foster parent, 
uh, immediately after your trainings, because there's a training, right? And depending on the level of care you're going to service, there's different trainings. So there's regular foster care, there's therapeutic foster care, and then there's also medical homes or health homes in foster care. And even what we have going on now is be kind of called exceptional foster mm-hmm. care, right? Where it's an exceptional level of care. So what, what this looks like is as soon as you finish your trainings, is someone from your foster care agency, from the home finding department, contacting you at any hour of the day, at any hour of the night and saying, hi, Ashley, we saw your name on the list. You're a new home. We see that you have availability. We have a 15-year-old that we need placement for now. Um, we don't know how long we're going to need you to a place, how long we're going to need you you know, for this child to be in your home, but we need placement right now. And can we place them within the next two hours? Wow. Okay. You may be able to say, you know, um, oh, I got to talk about this with my partner or my husband, or let me think about this. I'm actually at work right now. Can you give me a minute? You know, they, okay, I have 20 minutes and I have to go to the next person on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, it may look like you have been fostering for some time. You know some of the social workers, you know some of the, you know, you may be like a OG foster parent that we like to call them, right? And the social workers and case planners and sociotherapists have a better relationship with you. So they may be texting you or saying to you, Ash, when you get off of work, um, I need to know, can I place a five-year-old? And at the end of the week, I may need to place the three-year-old sibling I can do a FaceTime call with you when you get off of work and you can do a meet and greet with the child. Okay. Okay. Um, when you have more time, you know. Can you pick a gender? Like what if you're closer to, you feel more comfortable with a girl versus a boy? Is that something that they can accommodate? So most of the time there's a, there's a, there's checklist. Okay. Um, I only want girls between the age of newborns to three, you know, but. We don't always have homes. We need yeah. homes. Right. So even though you may have only, I only do girls from newborns to three, I may be calling you. I know you only do girls newborns to three. Can you take my nine-year-old? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that looks like. Um, perfect world, there's meet and greets. Right. Yeah. Well, and what happens if you regret it? What happens? And I hate to say this question, but it's again, an elephant in the room when you're talking about fucking fault, like taking somebody in your home. Here goes foster care. Yeah. Regular foster care. You have a 10 day notice if it is not working out with you and a child. Okay. So you have 10 days from when you take them in to say, Hey, this is not a fit. This is not a fit. And therapeutic foster care is 30 days. Okay. To say, this is not a good fit and you have to come and get this kid. Okay. Okay. And you have foster parents that are as raw as they want to be. They could have had the kid in their house for five, five, a week, five days, not even seven days, five business days. And it's just not working out. And they're at the agency with that child Friday afternoon with all the child stuff. Mm. Okay. And they're saying, this is not a good fit. Nine out of 10 times, sometimes it's safety. You know, the child probably did something that the foster parent is saying, I cannot, you know, she keeps trying to run out of the house and she's not supposed to run out of the house, things like that. 
Okay. And can you tell me a little bit, I think it's fascinating because I think human trafficking is one of the most misunderstood, um, dark. I mean, the fact that it is more expanded than the black slave trade, um, just sex trafficking by the numbers is shocking. And I, I imagine in the foster system, it's like, how do you escape that? Can, can, can you kind of paint any picture for people to process or understand how that looks or how that happens for these kids? So when we think of professions for women, the oldest professions in the book are nursing, teaching, and prostitution. So when it comes to young girls being trafficked, and now it's even opened up to boys, right? This should never be a surprise. There is a business that is going on, you know, that we're all eyes wide shut to. And vulnerable populations, whether it's uh, children in foster care or people with mental health disabilities that can't really fend for themselves. This is who's going to be your servant here. This is who's going to be taken advantage of. Okay. There are residentials. We think of the children's center that's down on First Avenue. This is a a, 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 a lovely playground for pimps. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as much as you, we want to protect these girls and there's whole detective squads for just for this, just for sex trafficking, we have a whole um portal just in our what we put out or all of our documentation into what's called connections. Mm-hmm. We have a whole portal just for and it's a send an alert. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one thing, Ash, the detectives team for the child trafficking units through ACS are bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you send them an alert, they're on it and they're gonna bring that kid back. Wow. They're gonna bring that kid back. They raid the they raid wherever it's at. They shut it down. They lock up everybody, you know, save everyone. But it's on the inside and it's they have their mind. Yeah. You know, so they've been manipulated to the point of nobody loves me, you know, but Ashley and John. You know, nobody's clothed me and fed me, but Ashley and John, you know, so they need to get back to Ashley and John. You know, we've had some like Stockholm syndrome. Yes, we've had some beautiful, and I mean beautiful success stories where kids, teenagers, all my actual case loads, okay, were brought back from this, went back to it, brought back again. And then, you know, with enough therapy, counseling, and consistency of the same parent and team working with them. They were able to get away from that, go back to school, get clean from whatever drugs, take advantage of some good psychotherapy, some trauma-based, you know, some good, good psychotherapy, get a job, get into school. Now they're on their own and it's a nice story, Mm. you know, but it takes so much consistency, so much action, and you have to be invested in this. Yeah. You have to be invested in this to save these kids because they cannot save themselves. 
This episode has been brought to you in part by Bioptimizers. You've probably heard me talk about magnesium by now, but it's really hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. In fact, there's a really long list of symptoms and diseases that can be treated or even cured with magnesium. It has been used for all sorts of conditions, whether it's an arrhythmia, constipation, preeclampsia, and even seizures. So you don't want to wait until you're magnesium deficient. Now, I'm usually a big advocate of getting as many of our nutrients as we can through a very well-balanced diet. It would just be perfect if we could do that. But in this case, it's almost impossible to get enough magnesium taken through your food alone because our soil right now in the United States and around the world is so overworked and mineral depleted and it lacks organic matter, which helps the plants get minerals from the soil. So this is why I read somewhere that if 10 years ago we needed to eat one orange, now we would need to eat 10 oranges for the same amount of nutrients. So it's just impossible to eat the amount of food to get the minerals you need. That's why I'm so excited that Bioptimizers has such an amazing solution. Their magnesium breakthrough supplement is the only product in the market with all seven different types of magnesium. Yes, there's seven. I had no idea until finding this product and using it. And it's specifically formulated to reach every tissue in your body to provide maximum health benefits. Bioptimizer Magnesium Breakthrough gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium, which can dramatically improve your overall health from reducing stress to improving sleep and boosting your energy levels. We all know how much I love energy levels being boosted. So right now you can try Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough and any other Bioptimizer's product for 10% off. Just go to magbreakthrough.com slash U-turn. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the U-turn code to boost your intake of magnesium and get that discount and start feeling better today. Don't wait to be deficient. Start taking the best product you can to improve your well-being now. Just head to magbreakthrough.com slash U-turn. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Well, so is this foster cares that they get placed in that they become, you know, trafficked or is it that they leave the foster facility daily to like go out into the world and they- So it can be both. Okay. It can be both. You can have kids that come into care from their parents. Yeah. Maybe they were being trafficked by their parents. Yeah. You know, it, you know, and then they come to us and, we, you know, there's a lot of reprogramming and things like that that have to go on. Again, it's a team, it's a village, right? And then you have kids that are in facilities, maybe in a foster home. And it's as simple as cutting school with a friend or a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Boyfriend who's like 40 years older. No, it could be Not a friend. Even, yeah. It could be a friend. Oh, yeah. you know, my friend is Jasmine from school. Right. And the foster parent is saying, don't bring Jasmine back over here. Don't hang out with Jasmine. Jasmine looks like she may be a little bit of bad news. Mm-hmm. And Jasmine is out to be some bad news because now Jasmine got you caught up mm-hmm. with whatever ring she's in from uncle, cousin, brother. And then it just becomes a nasty, a nasty mm. big old mess. Remember, this is a trust thing, you know? So it goes into people that you trust, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's 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 um an extreme story is the pimp that's around there. 
but the pimp has, it's an organization, right? So the pimp has his team. Mm-hmm. He has some kids that's your age. That are you know, recruiting you. It's recruitment. They're sending yeah. the representatives. Yeah. You know, sometimes the representatives are already in these groups homes, in these facilities, and they're being worked on to, you know, to not do that. Yeah. So they they can come in with this, you know, already being trafficked, and we're trying our best as a village to, you know, get them away from this, keep them safe. And then you have some, they're already in some at-risk behaviors, you know, strong at-risk behaviors in the community with the people that they keep or friends that they keep, and then they become someone's prey that way. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. We had a woman named Anna Patak on the show like years ago and she was trafficked and it, and, and she'd kind of told me her story and it's so much more insidious and sneaky than most people would think. Um, and in her case, she had a boyfriend who was like the only nice guy that was at the park and always yeah. like just talking to her, befriending her, bringing her food Built a relationship with Building her. a relationship. Built a relationship. He built trust. Builds trust. And then he was older and he said he was an artist. And then he wanted to paint pictures of her. And then she was naked in the pictures. And then he was oh. prostituting the, then he was posting the pictures online, making money. And it, it's th- these weird art things seem to be a thing. Art, music, music videos. Yes. Oh, oh my Lord. One of our youth one time, she had just came out of. Um, treatment. She was in um, a hospital for some time and her and her foster parent were like in the Walgreens or something. And whoever she started talking to while going from eye to eye, now they're in the car and she's like on FaceTime with some guy. Plus we're like, who was that you're talking to? And she's like, oh, it's this producer I just met. But we got to go tomorrow with such and such. And I got to wear a yellow swimsuit for the video. Oh my God. It was like, give me your phone. Uh uh-uh. uh. You know, and it's like, no, that fast. Right. Yeah, it happens so fast. And when you're vulnerable, and I mean, I just can't stress enough for anyone listening like, what could be more fulfilling if you've wanted to be a parent, if you're not a parent, if you are a parent, than supporting someone in the most critical years of their lives when they need insight, they need investment from you, they need presence, they need love. And what really struck me, Ebony, was you telling me that one of your foster kids told you, like, this is the best home I've ever been in and how devastating that was for you because she's, how old was she? Hey, U-Turners, I want to take this moment to say that this episode is sponsored in part by SaneBox, an email tool that I have been using every single day to be more productive and less scattered. With the average person working and getting 100 to 200 emails a day, I don't know about you, but I've been fighting the fight with email for a few years now, and after continuously losing, I decided that I needed help. I did my research, and I was so excited to find SaneBox as an affordable tool for my Gmail, and it works with any other email provider, really that can sort your emails for you before you open up your laptop and get lost in the sauce. All you'll see once you download it is on your sidebar where there's words like inbox or trash. There will be a couple other new folders that I'm totally obsessed with. One is called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for all the emails coming in that you don't need to see. And the other one, my favorite one, is called the Sane Black Hole, which is where you can drag and drop emails that you just don't want to be subscribed to anymore. 
The same later box automatically uses artificial intelligence to know that you don't want that email and it puts it right there in that folder. Every few days, I check my same later folder, skim through it, and I'm just so happy to be saving so much time. I used to spend every single morning overwhelmed by my inbox and now I have so much more time on my hands thanks to SaneBox. So for the first couple of weeks, I monitored my SaneBox once a day and dragged and dropped messages from senders that I would have wanted in my regular inbox. And now I find that it perfectly knows who should and shouldn't be waking their way in my inbox. So head on over to www.sanebox.com slash U-turn. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of SaneBox for free and a $25 credit to get a serious discount on the super affordable year membership now. It's time we all get out of our inbox and back into our life. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Now she's 20, she's 21. Uh-huh. It crushed me because I said, what in the, and this is someone who had been in foster care from a very young age. So that crushed me, mm. crushed me to know that I'm a part of this, you know, and what's going on, you know, what is going on that you've been in foster care this long and I'm your best home. I'm your, you know, your, your like push to want to call me mom and stuff like that. It, it was, I, and, and all I could say to her, I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's been your experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to apologize. And what I do more of now is, when I'm in trainings, because we constantly have trainings, when I'm in trainings and workshops, I'm speaking more to the parents and potential foster parents so that they're clear on their expectations. You know, this is not just fostering. You're a parent. You know, you could be the person that changes this whole human's life forever for good. You know, be invested being it for the right reasons, you know, and just be, be a good parent, be a good person, be a good human. Mm. And I'm aware like the government offers some sort of stipend for this, right? So if people are wondering if they have resources, maybe they have an extra bedroom, but they don't have a lot of money to, is there, is it enough of a stipend that you get from the government to put food on the table for them? Like what does it support? Yes. So that's exactly what the stipend is for. The stipend is basically saying, you know, room and board, and then actually tells you how much of it you should be spending on clothing, mm-hmm. right? So it's definitely, you know, by child, by whatever the situation is. But let's say for a regular you, you may be looking at a stipend of maybe 900 a month, right? Mm-hmm. And then depending on if they maybe have more needs and things like that, then you're looking into like the, you know, the 1200, 1500. And then if it's like something more special, you're going into like 2000, you know, mm-hmm. um, 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 per child. What I would, what I would say is, of course, there's never, <laughs> you're never going to have enough money, right. To, to really take care of another person's child. This mm-hmm. is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you, you want to do everything for you know, you yeah. want to do everything for them, but there is help and there's many resources. Mm. You know what? I don't care if it's summer camp. ACS will make sure this summer camp is paid for. 
if it's violin lessons, if it's a, a service pet, whatever. What's, it is. What is ACS? Oh, sorry. So ACS is Administration of Children's Services. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. ACS is, that's our, that's our um, children's services for New York City, mm. right? Each um, jurisdiction has a different name. You okay. know, Jersey, I think is Dyfus. Um, Connecticut, it's something with the C, right? And we went through many, many different names, BCW, you know, if you're that age, I'm speaking to certain crowds, I, you know, um, you know, it was the, you know, Bureau of Child Welfare and um, things like that. So now we're ACS, um, New York City, you know, ACS, Administration of Children's Services. And under ACS, you have thousands of foster care agencies Mm -hmm. so that the children can be placed in homes. Okay. So this is my question is when they're in the foster facility, what is the living like? Is there like a cafeteria and a bunch of cots for them to sleep on? Okay. There, is there a sense of community for them there? Right. Like what's so the reality? When you say foster facility, you're thinking group home, yeah. right? Yeah. You're thinking maybe even a residential center, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's happened um, probably over the last 10 years, maybe even more, ACS said group homes don't work for kids. We want children in homes. Right. Because we don't want that. We don't want an open room with 50 cots or 50 beds. And then it's like everybody doing this at this time and everybody doing that at that time. They say children thrive more when they have a home and they have that one on one parenting and that community and togetherness. Okay, that's what they say. So there's not really foster care facilities. There are. um. If we have children or youth that need more care than a foster home can give them, and they need to be more safe than what a foster care can give them, foster care placement, foster home placements, we call that community, the community. That's when a child is placed in the community. Anything outside of the community, depending on what the child needs, can be an RTC, which is a residential treatment center. Mm-hmm. Meaning that on site, the child is going to have some sort of wraparound services. Mm-hmm. If a residential treatment center is not going to work for this youth, right, then we go through the Office of Mental Health. And that is then when we're getting a treatment facility involved. Sad to say, treatment facilities have been closing down to it. Mm. So where do these kids go? Like, where do they go while they're looking for a home? Well, no. So we, I mean, foster homes. Mm -hmm. We have foster homes. And the more and more that these services are shut down or taken away, the funding for these services, then we have children in the community Mm -hmm. that need a lot of services. Mm-hmm. that need a lot of outpatient services, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, and I think anybody from any foster care agency would say, we need homes. In New York City, we need foster homes. We need more resources for for the, for the smallest kids the, to the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. You know? 
I love what you're sharing and the perspective that you have. And I think that the foster system is like, it kind of reminds me. So my sister, before she passed away, she was homeless and, you know, we did everything to take care of her. She had a drug problem and it, you know, therapists said like, let her hit rock bottom. You know, this is the part of the process. And she did, and she started to recover and then she ended up passing away. But what I learned is that, you know, there is, you, you can't force someone to want to be alive, to want to show up into life. Um, would you say that most of the foster children, like what is your experience around their willingness to live, their excitement to move forward? Because it's understandable if they've been through multiple homes with multiple, you know, care figures that kind of let them down. Um, there's probably like, like, I would assume a sad, I would be sad. Um, I don't know. What's your, what's your take on that? Like in the mindset. Well, that's the downside to things, right? That there's trauma and there's trust issues and there's walls up and there's, um, coping mechanisms that that's how they're coping, but it doesn't mean that it's good for mm-hmm. them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the upside is some kids return home. Yeah. Right? Some kids a wall home constantly to the point that we're saying, okay, what's going on at home? How can we really help this family get back together and put the right services so that this child does not end up back in foster care? Okay. And is there anything I haven't asked you about fostering or what these kids are going through or how it works that you think would be useful for anyone listening? Because my goal, and I'm going to be straight with all of you listening, is that you consider this. And and if you, if that stipend supports you or you don't need that stipend, whatever it is, being able to give someone that wisdom that they need. And, and I don't know, I'm a freedom junkie. So for me, taking someone later in life, not having to do the whole thing, but getting to be an influence in their world, that's the key to fulfillment, you know, like being able to have connections in life that you feel like you're making someone else's life better. You go to bed at night and it's not just about you. And I think that's what love really is, right? It's, there's so much love out there today that people think is love, but really it's just attachment and control. And then there's the kind of love where there's no benefit to you. You're just giving. Selfless. Yeah. Selfless love. And I really see that on you. And that's why I really wanted to have you on here. And I think a lot of people, they maybe don't even know how life can taste. And maybe I'm one of them. You know, I just got my hundred pound dog that it's selfless love. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, it doesn't even have to be ego of knowing that someone else is better because of you. It can just be like feeling like you are a part of something great for someone. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you about fostering that we can share with everyone? And where can someone go? I know you said every state has a different kind of faculty or institution. Mm-hmm. Where can someone go today if they want to at least explore it? Is there someone they can talk to? Um, do they just sign up? Is that a little overwhelming? Like, what's the in between? Right. So yes, every 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 jurisdiction has their own um, profile, and it's as simple as googling how can I become a foster parent mm-hmm. in my city or in my state. Um, with our agency, um, our point person, our home find per- 
home finding person. Her name is Christina Ladke. She is a lovely young woman. And um, you can definitely plug in, you know, Ebony Raffaelli and my information um, on this um, podcast. And I'll also get you over Christina Ladke's information as well. Um, and it's as simple as just that, you know, I would say that the only thing we probably really didn't touch on a lot is permanency, you know, because that goes into something else. But that's really when a, when a child comes into foster care, New York state law says you have 15 to 22 months to return this child home mm-hmm. and to show that you've done everything to return this child's home, okay? And after those 22 months of them being in foster care and they have not returned home and they're not on a path to returning home, that's when we need a plan B. Mm. Are there adoptive resources? Are there kinship resources? Is this child old enough for a APLA goal where it's like then, you know, like my kids, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, that type of thing. So uh, when dealing with the younger children, when you still want to foster um, younger children, keep in mind that there's a strong possibility that you are going to get very attached to this child or these children and they will be returned back home, which mm-hmm. is a good thing, but it's mm-hmm. kind of bittersweet. Mm-hmm. You know, it is bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so happy that you came on. Thank you for making the time. I hope this was easier than you thought it would be since this is a new thing to have you on a podcast. I hope you keep going out there and talking about this because there's so many different ways to have fulfillment in life and it's so much simpler than we think it is in this complex world. And so I love how fulfilled I can tell that you are by what you're doing. It like it shows on you. And I think everyone could use that sort of like joy and love in their life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to everyone listening. Um, I hope we touched someone or this resonated with someone to um, become a foster parent, be resourceful, you know, or even if you know someone that would like to become a foster parent push them on, root them on because we need homes. <laughs> yeah. And share this episode with someone that you think yes. maybe mm-hmm. wants to have mom energy in their life, but they Yay. didn't fully bite the sandwich of being a mom and they want an experience that can support someone because I think there's a lot of people out there that would love that. So thank you again, Ebony. Thank you. And we don't want to leave out dads. Some of my best foster parents are dads. I love that. Thank you for pointing that out. I'm just like in woman land with myself. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you. Cool dads. Welcome to apply to. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. 
On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.